Hi, I'm Leon Gorin, president of PEO Leadership, a peer-to-peer leadership advisory firm. We're an amazing community of CEOs, presidents, and senior executives. Ask yourself, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? It's time for Ontario business leaders to band together for counsel and support. It's time for you to tap into the business wisdom of our peer groups and unlock new ways to grow. I want you to come out of this COVID crisis a better leader and your organization ready for what's next. Take the first step at peo-leadership.com. Today on our Snippets podcast, I'm very excited to have Alison McLean, Business Executive Officer for Nestle Nutrition Canada. Allison's been a member of PO Leadership for almost 10 years, participating in a number of advisory boards and being a great contributor to the entire community. Allison, it's great to have you here with us today. Thanks, Leon. It's great to be here. Well, thanks for taking the time. And um, I thought we'd just start off and maybe get you to talk a little bit about your career path, because when you look at it, it's Western University, and then it's really registered dietitian, and then off to Nestle for the rest of the years. And uh, maybe just take a quick walk through that for us. Absolutely. Yes. So I did a food and nutrition degree at Western University. And as part of my path to becoming a registered dietitian, I did have to do a dietetic internship. So I was at Toronto General Hospital for uh, a couple of years there, one year as an intern and then one year as a clinical dietitian. Then to Leanne's point, I joined Nestle. 30 years ago, in fact, this month, September 17th marks my 30th anniversary with Nestle. I cannot believe it. But uh, Nestle is an awesome, awesome employer, the world's largest food and beverage company, as uh, as many of you will know, and uh, has uh, given me a lot of different opportunities from starting as a medical rep, um, calling on pediatricians and family physicians through marketing sales uh, to my last role where I was the business executive officer for Nestle Health Science for five years. And then I've been back on nutrition for three years now. So uh, it's it's amazing. When I look back, 32 years of, of working, it's gone by very, very fast. Look, congratulations. Like very few people are actually, when you ask people, you know, how long have you been with the company? These days, it's three to five years and off they go. They're just moving along. You're rare. No one really has stuck, stuck around that long, which is fantastic. Speaks both about yourself and the business. I think and it speaks about the employer, about Nestle as well. Absolutely. So I thought we'd, we'd talk a little bit. I mean, obviously, crazy time still. We're just coming into fall. But I start on a personal and think about the last six months. And if there was anything you know, from a leadership perspective, or just even a personal, anything that sort of surprised you, that caught you over the last six months that you've learned something that you didn't think that you would pull out of this? Well, I think I'm, I'm not alone in uh, reflecting back on the last six months. It's certainly been a very interesting, ambiguous time for all of us. And uh, my hope is that we've all learned something, learned something about ourselves, both uh, personally, as well as professionally. I think from a personal perspective, um, just even, I never used to think of myself as being tech savvy, but I've certainly surprised myself because we've all had to use technology for everything over the course of the last six months. So I certainly surprised myself pleasantly um, that I'm perhaps a bit more tech savvy than than I had thought. 
I would say, um, you know, the other personal piece is um, we have two young men um, as as our two sons who had both left home through COVID. Both of them have come back uh, home. We used to be empty nesters and now we have a full busy household. I have to say, I love having them back home. It's, it's wonderful to have the family back together. Certainly don't miss the 401 and the commute. Uh, I'm one of those individuals who used to have to commute perhaps about an hour each way. So I certainly um, am enjoying having that personal time back and not having that commute. Um, You know, from a professional perspective, I I think I'm probably saying something that many of us are feeling. I'm missing that social interaction. I'm missing that engagement. And yes, uh, well, I'm certainly one of those ones that are meetings and virtual meetings and using the the video uh, eight hours, 10 hours, 12 12 hours a day. So I'm seeing people. It's obviously not the same as uh, seeing people and interacting uh, in the office with people. So I would say... uh, you know, I, I uh, am learning that uh, I really thrive on that uh, personal connection, perhaps more so than I had uh, reflected on before. Yeah, I think we hear that across the board, right? That yearning that to come back together, to be able to be live with people outside of technology, to be able to shut it down. But yeah. it's not to be, at least for not a little while. It's not. And I think we're all working through it. We absolutely are. Yeah. Just grateful. I think grateful for what we have. Absolutely. So interesting. You bring up engagement, right? And we talk about the fall, a couple of things potentially in the fall. I'd love to get your perspective on And, And one you talked about quickly, and that's preparation in case there's a second wave. Yeah. And so what are you doing or what's Nestle doing to prepare for the possibility of a second wave? We don't know if obviously it's going to happen or not. You know, Leanna, I think that's a great question. And I think we all wish we had a crystal ball. Obviously, nobody's wishing that there is a second wave, but all indications are that there will be a second wave. So I would say um, at Nestle and certainly in the business that I run, we are absolutely uh, preparing for a second wave. And certainly from a priority, we always say the health and safety of our employees, of our team is the number one priority. So as we're thinking ahead, Um, really thinking about the overall health and safety of of our team. But then in terms of active planning, in addition, it's making sure that we have the inventory, that we have the supply of all of our um, food and beverage products, and for me specifically, our nutrition products, if there is that surge in demand, similar to what happened in March of of this year. Certainly, uh, nobody foresaw what happened um, in March. And uh, I think everybody's very, very familiar with the empty store shelves that we all had to face in March. And of course, my number one priority as it relates to our consumers is making sure that we can fulfill their needs and that there's the infant formula and the baby food for uh, all of those mums, all of those parents and babies that need it. So uh, certainly as we're looking ahead, um, nobody's got a crystal ball in terms of the timing, but we're certainly anticipating around the November, December, January timing that there's going to be that second wave and we're just trying to plan, be proactive with it. Now, are you guys manufacturing, are, are you national manufacturing here in Canada or do you source also through the U.S. and outside of North America? Um, I would say there's a mix. There's yeah. definitely 
definitely a mix. Um, but Canada is certainly an import market for our nutrition business. So we're sourcing our products from outside of this, uh, this country, outside of Canada. Okay. So with that said, what that means is some of the challenges, of course, you see the challenges that are going on in the U.S., the challenges that are going on in Mexico, certainly impacting many of our, our factories in those markets. Yeah. So your experience, the same that we hear in the media, I guess, where we're starting to hear some of those factories shutting down a couple of days here and there interrupting uh, manufacturing, therefore impacting your supply chain. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, really what we're trying to do is just get in front of it. Whereas previously we might have carried a certain number of days of supply, knowing that uh, there have been supply interruptions, anticipating that there will be future supply interruptions. We're really trying to uh, carry, why don't we say, a few extra days of supply to what we might otherwise have done, just so that we can manage through some of the ebbs and flows. Okay. Now, the other thing in in the fall, and I know for a lot of companies, the fall is a time that we tend to hire. We bring on new students. The young people start to come on board. You talk about engagement. We talk about culture. We're now working in a totally different environment that's remote. Uh, Challenges that you're facing, like, what are you guys doing? You got, let's say, a few new people coming on board this fall. How are you onboarding them? How, How are you training them? Is it all remote? It is, I'm going to say, well, for the most part, why don't we say 90%? Yes, it's remote. But I think just stepping back from that, I think the fortunate thing with Nestle, food and beverage uh, company and our nutrition business, we are continuing to recruit. So uh, Nestle's got a portfolio of businesses, the majority of which are are doing quite well, uh, despite the COVID factor. Of course, we have a Nestle professional business that supplies the food service industry and many of the restaurants, which have been particularly impacted, but I would say um, the majority of our businesses are doing quite well. So what that means is we are able to continue to recruit and hire, and that has absolutely continued. All of the recruiting, of course, is happening online. So we're using all of this virtual recruitment and videos. uh, And um, I have to say it's working quite well. It really, really is working much, much better than perhaps we had anticipated. Um, But once we recruit, we are particularly mindful of, of course, new people to Nestle, but also um, new people to the workforce. So um, we've recruited many individuals who have just recently graduated universities, so they're brand, brand new to the workforce. So Nestle is a big company and navigating through our ways of working, our processes, sometimes we call them bureaucracies at Nestle, who's who in the zoo, um, I would say is particularly challenging. So we're, we have not cracked the nut on that. We absolutely, I think we're mindful that it is a challenge and we're really trying to figure out what we can be doing to better support the new individuals either to Nestle or even as people move within Nestle to new businesses and new teams, how do we support them? Is there anything you can share with us that would say that has stood out in your mind that's almost been a best practice or something that you guys have found that works really well for for other leaders who are bringing people on and onboarding them and training? Has there been any activity that you've done that sort of sticks out in your mind? Well, I would say um, mentoring, assigning individuals with either a mentor or a buddy 
um, somebody that they can connect with that's not necessarily their direct manager, but somebody just informal, um, off the record, can ask questions, ask those dumb questions if they think that those are the, the dumb questions. But um, assigning the new individuals a buddy or a mentor, depending on which way, what the role is, um, I would say is one of the um, initiatives that we've taken that definitely seems to be working. And as an executive team, we're certainly talking about how do we do more of that? And so as a mentor, like, give us an example, who would be a mentor to a young first year person coming into Nestle today? Would it, be? it would likely be somebody who's been with our team for a year or a couple of years. So maybe if it was a marketing associate that was being hired, maybe it's an assistant marketing manager or a junior marketing manager. Or if it's a sales rep, maybe another sales rep, those types of um sort of connection. So somebody who perhaps understands the team, understands the business, um, and can really support that new hire um, in just navigating, navigating what needs to be done and who to connect with. Okay, no, that's great. So we, we talked about supply, we talked about people. Are there any other things that sort of, I don't want to say keep you up at night, but keep you up at night that you worry about over the next three or four months um, within the business? And I know you can't disclose everything, but something, um, anyway, I'll leave it at that in terms of. Well, I would say culture as well. And, and maybe culture is connected with engagement because um, we were definitely having a lot of conversations that people are missing the informal, the, why don't we say the off the record, that social interaction. So what we're, we're thinking about is how do we foster that more? And I know there's lots of companies that have had the Zoom cocktail hour or the Quizoid event or those types of things. Um, and we're just trying to think through how do we continue to foster those? How do we keep them alive? And certainly as things uh, start to relax, how do we allow um groups, whether it's small groups outside or, or smaller groups inside, how do we uh, enable and foster that connection in, in a safe way? So I would say that's definitely something that um, keeps me up at night, keeps our executive team up at night in terms of that, that really continuing to try and build and foster that Nestle culture. And I think as much as anything, it's, it's the engagement throughout. The other piece that I would say keeps me up at night is prioritization. And of course, with COVID, this tsunami of activity and this ambiguity that happened those first few months, um, it, it definitely put many, many of us in a bit of a, well, on a treadmill and a bit of a churn. And how do we make sure that we stay in front of that, especially as we go into perhaps a wave two, how do we make sure that our teams are really focused on on the right things, prioritizing? And of course, there's always lots to be done and making sure that people are focused on the right things. We can do anything. We just can't do everything as the saying, the old adage. Yeah, I, I think that's even more obvious now, like the amount of activity in every one of these businesses has just increased yeah, uh, unbelievable amount. Everybody talks about productivity, eh? Everybody's productivity is up. We're all happy with it, but people are working all the time. They're working at home. They don't yeah. know how to turn it off. Yeah, and so. I think really, uh, really encouraging people to 
Um, stop and pause, take that lunch break, go for a walk, get some fresh air, get activity. Um, and support individuals. We know that as school comes back, there's going to be lots of parents who have to drop off the kids and pick up the kids while they're trying to work. So really trying to respect um, this this double uh, double duty that many working parents have to have to do. Oh, that's great. So that's my last question for you. Been a member for so long. Not so long. I'm not going to say so long. <laughs> <laughs> It's only nine years, maybe 10. This is the 10th year. It's a big year. Um, You've been in a couple of groups. What have you enjoyed most about the groups and maybe the community? And you got, I know you're going to mention this one fellow who runs your group for sure. (laughs) Oh, I absolutely will. Well, you know what? I would say the PEO community, my PAP, my current PAP5 group, it's the people. Honestly, it's the people, the individuals. They are an absolutely remarkable group of individuals. I truly, truly believe that we have each other's back. We have each other's best interests in mind. We want each other to be successful. We challenge each other respectfully. I honestly believe that I am a a better individual, a stronger leader as a result of being a member of uh, PO and PAP5. And uh, certainly that's what I enjoy and what keeps me coming back each year. And Leon, to your point, you're 10. And to your point, I have to mention our absolutely amazing, fantastic advisor, Mark Way, who um, our PAP5 group would not be as strong as if it wasn't for him. He is just terrific. He's the best. The best. He is awesome. Well, it's been an honor having you, actually. You know, it's a privilege. It's all about the members, and you've been such a huge member for us at PEO. So thank you as well. For- well, Leon, thank you to you, and thank you to, obviously, you and Michelle and the whole PEO leadership team, because uh, you are what makes it what it is. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Well, thank you all for joining us today. And if you're interested in our live webcast, The Way Forward Live and our other snippets, please take a moment and visit us at peo-leadership.com. You'll find on our site various previous recorded webcasts, which include guests such as Professor Janice Stein and Harvard's Rosabeth Cantor and Michael Beer, Ron Tite, Joe Jackman, Dr. Talia Varley, and more as we cover such topics as mental health, leadership, the world reset, government stimulus packages, and a host of others. Coming this fall live, we'll welcome Dr. Greg Wells, Rob Chestnut, former legal counsel there at BNB, and Rishad Toboka Kawala. I hope I pronounced that right, one of the world's marking legends on innovation. And don't forget our upcoming conference this November 18th and 19th, featuring some of the world's top speakers Simon Sinek, Seth Godin, Susan Rice, and Dr. Robin Hanley Defoe. If you'd like to find out more about PO leadership, please feel free to reach out directly to. Kelly May, K-M-A-Y at POLeadership.com. Thank you. Have a great day.